Here's a question. Oh, no. If we, through some uh, star alignment miracle, ever got Kojima on, does that mean we can stop doing the show? Yeah, I'd just leave. Yeah, I think we can just turn on our Metal Gear cards at that point and just burn them into ashes. Yeah, just it's over. Just rub them all over our faces. (laughs) It's all downhill from there. Probably come on and be like, what the fuck are you people doing? <laughs> Why are you using my name? I did not give permission for this. Why are my lawyers not on this? <laughs> Why the fuck do I pay you people? Bail and start the David Cage frequency. <laughs> hey, I'm Fingers. Hey, everyone. This is Days Ahead. And I'm Nitroid. You're listening to the Kojima Frequency. I was talking to a friend of mine about Rising earlier, um, specifically the old version, Metal Gear Solid Rising, before they gave it to Platinum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and how the animation in that just, I don't know what it is, but something about the blade animation when they're, when he's slicing through enemies makes me ill. Like just watching it, I get, I get queasy. I don't know if it's just how smooth it is and how it like, there's no resistance at all when he cuts through. <laughs> I was going to say, that zero resistance, yeah. And they just fall to the ground. Like, there's no crunch to it. It's just, they just hit the they just hit the floor, <laughs> right? It's like the difference between, like, a Hollywood, like, sound effect of a, a bone being cracked. Like, it's it's going to be exaggerated, like, <laughs> yeah. or whatever. And when you, like, actually hear somebody's bone hit the ground and shout, oh, and there's no, yeah. there's no, yeah. dis- there's that distinct noise, but there's, like, not much to it. The, you know what it reminds me of? Um, I have like an aversion to scenes in movies and, and TV shows where there's any sort of like slow cutting. Yeah. yeah. Like I just, I can't, I can't do it for some reason. And, and that's the feeling I get watching that. It's like on the same level as like eye gore, you know, like there's certain kinds of gore that I just like, I don't, I don't want to see that. And, and it trips yeah, that shout out dead space. <laughs> right. <laughs> Like that was a really hard one for me because that's like yeah, the, I hated that. Ah, uh, but it's flipping that switch in my brain. I don't even like putting in eye drops, man. Fuck, <laughs> that's just too much. <laughs> so yeah, I'm kind of glad Platinum changed that. Yeah, so Ri- Rising's been out eight years now. That's crazy. Jeez, I'm so old. I just like it was fun, and I, I, I like. It's one of those unique experiences, and I know we've talked about how, like, we've we've talked about how Metal Gear games and, and Kojima games uh, as a whole, um, they're unique in that the whole experience is curated from, you know, the first trailer to when you play it to, you know, when you find out something about it, like, five years later. Like, it, it all seems very precise. It's funny because Rising kind of felt that way, but it didn't feel precise at all. Like, like my whole experience wasn't just enjoying the game and, and I like platinum games anyway, but, but part of the experience was watching how like the game, how rising kind of affected the fandom in terms of like memes and the culture. And like, I, I tweeted that picture earlier that was like, 
Metal Gear threads before rising. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it shows all these like philosophers and, and you know, people debating and, and things about postmodernism. And then you see like Metal Gear threads after rising and it's like uh a picture of Kayama, like somebody's like, Who the fuck is Kojima? Like uh <laughs> Everybody just keeps saying you the know, memes. Ru- You're just like, ah. Rules of nature. Yeah, yeah. It was- I've seen a version of that meme that has a Metal Gear discussion after MGS Cinco below it. And it's just, <laughs> it's the same thing as Rising. Just the memes become like, why are we still here just to suffer? And like nothing else. <laughs> That's pretty fucking accurate. <laughs> yeah. It, well, I mean, like, fucking you know. Fucking fiddle memes. It is yeah. it is pretty accurate and it was sort of an experience to like see everybody kind of after after the solemn I guess first ending of the series seeing everybody go ape shit. That's what's so funny about game. like <clears throat> like with Ground Zeroes like that ending was so sad and like like just like fucked up and then like Kaz says that fiddle line and it was just like <laughs> like what <laughs> and like I don't know like it seems like Kojima has like one of those every game where it's like supposed to be this serious moment and he just like completely drops the ball and says something stupid like Princess Beach nah get out of here <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on you <laughs> That's... I, I, I like so much about that game but that I could not stay dialed in when she said that but yeah, no, I, I enjoyed Rising, and and I'll admit, I, I played it on PC, so I played it a little later, and I played a good chunk of it with the white suit, so I got the extra health, but I enjoyed it, and, you know, it's, I love Schlock. I put it in my Schlock tier on my, my Metal Gear tier. Schlock is good. There's a bit of a grindhouse quality to Rising, too, there, you know? There is. You can you can make if you if you fight a boss well enough, um, you can at the end of it when you do your little like slicing combo, you can while you're doing it, you can make them like beg for you to kill them mercilessly. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little uncomfortable. It's yeah, it's it, like grindhousey. Like it's 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 there for your entertainment. It's supposed to be uplifting, but uh, uplifting in a sense that it's supposed to be like a, a wacky tone that makes you feel good. But you're just like, oh, this person is like a <laughs> a vegetable now. I don't know. Yeah, it's not quite a dark comedy, but it's leaning in that yeah, direction. Yeah, it's like a, a right. B movie where you're just like, th- yeah, it's very tongue in cheek. I mean, that's that's the thing though. Like you have to go into that game like in that kind of mood and like knowing that because if you're going in just expecting like another metal gear solid entry it's like okay well this is this is this is a little different but yeah for what it was i I had a blast with it like i just viewed it as an action game didn't really care about you know the oh it has to have stealth even though it it had a little bit but that gameplay man yeah none of it bothered me you know because they gave it that that exaggerated quality so it was just like yeah i'm gonna try and get this thing up to a thousand Every single time. <laughs> yeah, it felt very anime. You break the engine. I guess like my only th- complaint I can think of out the top of my head is that I kind of didn't like how getting the Gray Fox sword broke the game. Because <laughs> oh, completely. It felt like, you know, like that's what everybody wanted, but we didn't want it to like make the game easy. Yeah. Um, but other than that, yeah, no, that was like, honestly, it was it was a ple- I, I did delay myself from playing the game, but it, it was a pleasant surprise. Uh, both as as a Metal Gear and a Schlock fan. You know what's weird, though? Um, There was a piece of DLC we didn't get. It was uh, 
a a wooden sword like a boken uh that was it had an inscription on it uh and it was supposed to be imbued with solid snake's soul and as you would swing the sword you would hear quotes from solid snake or or you would get advice from him or something and i because we didn't get it i don't know much of the details but like uh, i guess they just didn't want to get david hater back to record that it was it, it was dlc like it wasn't yeah was it going to be part of like the the jetstream sam stuff or no i think it was just some silly bonus weapon download like it wasn't anything major oh huh might have to double check that but it yeah it was just a standalone thing i guess they were just being funny about it but considering the game's kind of tepid on getting into what happened to solid snake though you know you can kind of assume uh it would have been interesting to have in there <laughs> he did yeah a little yeah. bit yeah i feel really old and that we're like so past even fucking rising. It was a long time ago when Snake was on the ranch, so. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's been long gone. Anybody who makes jokes that are like, oh, you know, maybe you'll see Big Boss at the Arlington Cemetery or some shit. I'm like, no, you won't. He's dead. He's gone. <laughs> They're all gone. They're all gone. Everybody's dead. I could make an argument for Venom being alive. Hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, we thought he was, you know, we thought Big Boss had survived all of that, so I don't know why all of a sudden we're like, oh, well, since it was Venom, he's definitely dead after that NATO strike. <laughs> Damn, that's a, that's actually a good point. We've never really given Venom the credit. It's like, nah, he could have made it. He had the arm and everything. Well, if you, you know, I hate to get into, like, nerd territory here, but, like, like what am I even saying, right? Look what the show this is. At the end of Metal Gear on MSX, uh, there's just straight up a, a like a after credits bit of text where Big Boss is basically like, you know, I can't die, Solid Snake. I'll fight you again someday. Mm -hmm. And the way and, you know, if you kind of twist your mind into a pretzel, you could sort of say, well, that's just the real Big Boss commenting, but not the way it was written. That's the that's the that's the guy you just beat. Dude, that'd be so cool. Like then I'm coming back. <laughs> I get the feeling he'd be pretty chill like he's just retired somewhere yeah. like he just doesn't want to be a part of it anymore they put Venom in that van one of the decoys <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah what did they call That's that shit terrible. in MGS4 like the, the picks the, the picks what the fuck yeah, was that about I mean, like what, what did that it's that always bothered me it's a container used to carry uh, communion bread that's a really fucking weird is making some sort of like communion reference. I don't know. Eva was was really high on her Christian allegories. I don't I was about to say, yeah, there's there's a lot of Adam and Eva and all this stuff going on. Like you're not like you're not holy. You're a dictator. Get over it. This is this is going this is varying into nitroid ranting about four territory. We'll get back to it. <laughs> oh, don't get me uh, mm. I'm trying to make peace with it yeah just that picks thing always confused me I was like what never looked into it yeah it's just like a, a special container for communion bread that's it yeah Rising's one of those games like you know like if you just focus on the gameplay and don't really worry about the story I think it's a good time and that's like for, for the people that dislike MGSV you know like I've never really heard anybody say 
oh, but the gameplay sucks. Like, it, you know, some of it might get a little repetitive, but, like, when the game is doing what it's supposed to do, like, as a action stealth-type game, you know, I always felt pretty engaged. Yeah, that's about as perfect as they've gotten it. Yeah. It was, it was like, I love the word, like, fluid. Like, that, that, that engine was just so fluid, and I, I felt, like, really capable uh, using Venom. And and just the other games do have kind of like a, a little bit of a stiffness to the controls, you know, but like this was like the most modernized they had gotten that whole system. So is this what we're doing then? We we after the episode with DRK, we all have to say something nice about MGSV. <laughs> yeah, we've been hard on MGSV lately. I think Yeah. I, I like it. I like it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I think I think it might the impression might be getting across that we that we dislike it, but you know, it's uh it's it's not a perfect game for sure, but I, I put uh, you know like I said over three hundred hours into it, so I definitely played the hell out of it and had a good time with it. I uh, I learned a lot from it. I you know like you said, I put in a lot of hours trying to learn like you know different sort of stealth mechanics and whatnot. I'm not gonna kiss that game's ass, but I I don't I certainly don't think it's the worst thing in the world. Yeah, I mean Portable Ops sucks way worse than MGSV. <laughs> Oh God! You're just gonna start another fight. <laughs> Later in the comments, what did you say? Uh, for for me, Portable Ops was just like a drag, literally. Like I, I just found myself just like dragging people like the whole game. I was like, "What is this?" If Portable Ops and Gene is the hill you die on, like if that was the hill I was gonna die on, just just kill just kill me, like God. I do need to give it another shot with the uh, like the sixty frames per second patch and stuff, you know, and just do it, just give it another shot. So, I liked Python. Yeah, some of the story parts were cool, and that's the thing with like Portable Ops for me. Like the story was cooler than the gameplay. Like the gameplay for me was just like I don't know, it felt felt off. You know, I got into an argument with a guy. Uh, a while back about the game and he'd been playing it and was saying how it was one of his favorites. And if he's listening, I'm sorry, but I, I got to say something. You're wrong. Just kidding. <laughs> it, it, he, he was, he was trying to make a case for how it's one of his favorite MGS games. And if that is the case, that's fine. You're allowed to like it. But when I asked him what he thought about some of the problems with it, specifically the pacing issues with having to drag soldiers all over the place, you know, at like five minutes at a time to get them to your truck. And so, yeah, um, he was like, Oh, well that's not a problem because I'm playing it emulated and I speed it up. <laughs> so I get to skip that and it's great. And I'm like, okay, but you know, that's not really, uh, judging the game on its merits and faults in a genuine way. And he's like, no, it's, it's fair. Cause like, I'm just changing one little thing. It's not really changing the game. And, it kind of is. Yeah. yeah, and that's the thing. I I didn't play it on a PSP. I I also did play it on an emulator, but I don't think I was speeding stuff up. You know, I was just I was just playing it, and I was like, ah, yeah, I'm not having a great time with this, really. So, and you know, I think a lot of the positive response that Portable Ops has gained over the years uh, is a result of people playing it emulated or through. Uh, the Vita or PSTV or things like that, where they have the second analog stick yeah. to change how it plays and mm -hmm. it runs faster and you can speed things up. And like, yeah, you're, you're, I get that it's a better game when you do that, but that's not what the game is yeah. on its own. Like you're manipulating it. You're, you're kind of cheating yeah, in a way. it out pretty um, much. <laughs> yeah. Like, like you didn't have to have the experience of like doing the claw on the PSP to move your camera around to play it right. Yeah. 
And like, that's a really frustrating experience. And I get that they didn't have a lot of options when that came out because there had not really been a game like that on that system at the time. Um, but yeah, it's not the same thing. So I don't know. Maybe I need to give it another shot. That's yeah. Like I, I want to give it another shot with with the uh, you know with that patch and with just like a better controller setup and stuff. And I don't know. And and I believe using uh, third party software like Excellent Kai, um, or if you have a PS3, I think Ad Hoc Party still works. You can still play it. Uh, you can still play multiplayer. Oh, cool. It's basically like MGO one with extras yeah and i never did any of the the online stuff either so it was just you know like I, I don't have the the full original experience like playing it that handheld experience that i already got so because that's what portable ops plus was right just like a online add-on portable ops plus had this thing called uh infinity missions where it would basically just introduce new characters weapons things like that and it would sort of um, randomize your your objectives in a way that you could just kind of keep playing, and it switches them up, and it's it's pretty neat. Um, you could sort of think of it in a way, kind of like what the VR missions disc was to MGS One, where it's just mm -hmm. sort of a supplemental thing that gives you extra gameplay. Yeah, so it's a good time. Y'all been playing anything fun lately? Yeah, so I, I, I like agreed to tell this story to Nitroid before we we shot. In fact, I was like, I'm not going to tell you the story until we record. <laughs> uh, but I have been playing a lot of Valheim. Um, one of my girlfriends who I play uh, I play Overwatch with, she gifted it to me, and she was like, "Okay, you just need to try this. Just like trust me." Um, and I'm like. It, it as soon as I see it, I'm like, oh, it's it's a survival game. Like this is this is not my thing. Um, now we're gonna debate about survive in like ten minutes. <laughs> Just kidding. It's it's it is a survival game, yes, but it takes away like many of the frustrations that survival games generally have. Um, like for instance, a, a good example is um, you can build something right with materials. But if you break it down or it gets destroyed, um, you you don't lose like you you your the things you get back are on par with what uh, what you used to build it. So it's always like a net zero gotcha. of your materials when you build stuff. That's good. And then yeah, right. And then um, I'm trying to think of other things like. Do you have to pay for additional save slots? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, no, I'm not gonna be like that type of representative. Uh, actually, that's a good question. I don't know how the save slots work. Like, I have one character, right? Um, but like, we started off in one base, and we put it sort of like in a black forest, uh, where we keep getting attacked by like gray dwarfs. Um, and it was like. It was, like, one step away from a swamp. And we were just like, this place is a shithole, man. Like, we gotta find a land of prosperity. Uh, so we took a raft and went through the ocean. Um, and we've been creating, like, trade networks and portals to places. And I compared it to, like... I almost want to compare it, when you play multiplayer, to the... Um, the com community aspect of, like, Vanilla WoW. 
Um, and I know some folks are going to be like, oh, well, you know, survival games have been like this forever. But I don't know. There's something about just the way Valheim executes everything um, that really makes that experience feel more, I guess, engaging or, or more um, communal. So I'm looking at, at a bit on it because I don't know much about Valheim, but how would you compare it to something like Rust? Because it seems a little similar. Um, yeah, so it's, I would say it's like, I haven't, I'll be honest with you, I've, I've only seen like Rust memes and like how frustrated people get with it. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, too, I hear about like armies of like 20 butt naked people like raiding down a village or some shit like that. <laughs> Um, but as this is far, a good ad for Russ. <laughs> but you know, as far as like comparing the two, I would say that I would almost think that the developers they looked at Rust. They saw sort of what people, I guess, were memeing about it. Like, what frustrated them? What did they like about it? What did they not like about it? Um, and they sort of created this, like unique experience that addresses some of those issues like for instance like uh one that's that's pretty simple but often overlooked um like um the graphics for example from my understanding rust is like super unoptimized um well this game like they focus they do have a focus on the graphics in a sense that um the close-up graphics are like I would almost compare it to like PlayStation one. Um, but it runs really smooth and it's, it's really like, it has the focal points, excuse me, has the focal points that you need to kind of like keep up with the fighting and the survival aspects and stuff like that. Whereas they use like lighting effects to really enhance those graphics. Um, and it's so hard to describe, like it's, you, you kind of have to just see it. Um, but clearly word of mouth is working and it's not my word of mouth because um, apparently it sold like three million in its first like Holy week or so. crap. Yeah. And it's 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 not I'm about to check this out. It's not one of those games that, you know, it was at least from my understanding again, um, it's not one of those games that um, you know, like a streamer showed it or whatever and you know, now everybody's playing it because of that. Like, it was entirely word of mouth. It, People, it just took off naturally. Correct, yeah. That's pretty cool. See, that that makes me interested. Yeah. Um, so not to change the subject, but I'm going to change the subject. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, go ahead. <laughs> um, but you mentioned uh, WoW Classic, and that brings up something I wanted to mention. Uh, would you believe... There is a remaster coming out that I actually think looks good. Yes. Yeah. I know. It's astonishing. I don't believe it either, but... Diablo 2, baby! <laughs> yeah, Diablo 2 Resurrected. Uh, they've redone the graphics in it uh, to bring them up to date, and it looks really good. Yeah, that looks really smooth. Yeah. I'm actually quite shocked. Uh and how much I like it. And they included that button, uh, the, the whole idea that like Halo Master Chief Collection had where you can press a button and on the fly it'll switch between the old and new styles. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. They've got that in here, which is awesome. But I like the new style, so I'll probably play with that. Um, they've, they've made a couple changes, though, that um, 
all right, full history. Uh, you know, Diablo, Diablo two, those were two games that I spent countless hours playing yeah, same here. Uh, in high school. And mm-hmm. just same. like that, that was a game my wife and I like bonded over, you know, like we would carry our computers over to friends' houses and have land parties. And, uh, it was just something we did regularly and always had a blast with. And so like, this is a game that's very near and dear to me. Yeah. Especially um, too. <laughs> yeah. Especially too. Um, and they've, and they've done some changes here. If anyone's a Diablo two fan, um, they've, uh, increased your uh carry limit to be more in line with i guess what they're doing in four i guess uh they you know a bit of a reaction to uh path of exile there but yeah other i mean other than that it seems like they're leaving it pretty much exactly the same and uh that's awesome i guess uh you can even you know carry your progress between platforms see that's something i would like to see with metal gear like, you know, you could just do like a quick little skin up and that's it and just leave it like that. I mean, that's pretty much what we got with the PC version. <laughs> I thought for a second you were talking about sharing data between platforms and I was going to be like, yeah. And, you know, maybe like if they gave it some quirky <laughs> name, like like Trans-fari. trans something. Yeah, yeah something. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know, though. I mean, maybe that would be the best way to do it. But. Man. Not to get into remake talk because you know those rumors are popping up oh, again. Oh yeah, they are. Uh, I just uh, I want to be wrong. I really do, but I just can't. I, I cannot imagine a world where a Metal Gear Solid remaster or remake uh, looks good. Yeah, that's that's what the rumor was this time is that it was getting outsourced to somebody. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah. so now we're just kind of just widening up the thing. Now it's like, okay. Yeah. And and let's be specific. The rumor here is that it is going to be outsourced. They're considering outsourcing it. Yeah. Or that there are plans to outsource it, which is interesting because that is in direct conflict with the previous rumors that it had been outsourced to Bluepoint, you know, however many years ago you want to believe. So once again, we don't really know anything. Yeah. But, I mean, eventually something like that is going to be true, and it's going to be annoying because, yeah. They're like, we told you. We knew the whole time. It's like, <sighs> No, you fucking did. <laughs> it's like what Doomsday cults do, and it's like, the end of the world is going to happen here, and it doesn't happen, and they're like, well, it was actually this date. I don't know. <laughs> we um, fucked up on the, <laughs> on, the, on, the, on the counting, and it's actually on Sunday instead. Yeah. Yeah. That wasn't a V, it was a five. I don't know. Um, <laughs> There's been Silent Hill rumors too, though. Uh, those have been popping up left and right too. So Yeah, those ones, those are interesting. Those actually seem to have a bit of weight behind them. It's funny. Uh, I think one of them mentioned, it was also sort of like referencing, you know, some sort of outsourcing initiative or plan. Um, and it was funny that I saw that because one of the rumored companies that got that, I guess we're in talks were um super massive um and they're fi- mostly famous for um until dawn but also like man of medan and um little hope and right. like knowing what they knowing about like man of medan and little hope after I saw that news about them outsourcing it and then you know 
I guess some of the resources or whatnot were used for other supermassive games. Yeah. I was thinking to myself, like, oh, my God, no wonder, like, all of their new games have, like, a it-was-all-in-their-head type twist. Yeah. Um, Because I think that's everybody's biggest concern. I, th- I know that's Nitroid's biggest concern <sighs> is, you know, any sort of outsourcing to another team will equal another sort of, like, James Sunderland story. Of, right. What, what, what was the term that you used? I really liked it. Oh God, I can't even remember. Um, but I, I mean, I know I made the joke that like the Silent Hill Homecoming team was like, you know, went to Konami or the Team Silent Riders and was like, "Hey, can I can I borrow your homework and cop you know copy the answers?" And they're like, you know, "Hey, yeah, just uh, just change it around a little so nobody knows." <laughs> and so they just replace wife with brother, right? And, you know, the the background or the, the main character always has some sort of, like, dark secret um, right. that gets manifested. God, I wish we could, like, remember that. I have to look at, I have to l- well, listen to old episodes. <laughs> um, but there's a term but you used for it. For the copying? No, or... for, the, the like, the concept of, like, I think it was something like you bring the town. What you see in the town is what you bring, or something like that. Yeah, what what you see is what you bring with you. Yeah, yeah. Bring bring your and own nightmare. Yeah, and that's kind of like all they can do now. So, like Silent Hill Two is an amazing game. It's it's just phenomenal. But it also sort of broke the franchise because now every single one, with the exception of three, kind of dives into that well again and again i'd say well, four doesn't either but four is a, an interesting case but like all of the it, it's a, it was an influence that you can definitely see sort of worked its way into every silent hill game that followed you know right. it's, it it became about personal demons whereas the first one was very much not about that not in not in a direct sense you know harry is an outsider Going back to that whole like grindcore aspect, like it felt like yeah. a grindcore horror movie, and yeah, and I would like to see more of that. To be honest with you, well, one of the reasons that I was saying it seems like these rumors might have some weight to it is because of a recent interview with Akira Yamaoka, who is the you know composer for the Silent Hill series, and yeah, um, he was being interviewed and said something about how. Um, around summertime there's going to be a new project he's working on coming out and he said something to the effect of you know i think it's the one you're hoping to hear about yeah that tweet got me it was like all right hold on and and then and then the interview got pulled yeah that was the interesting part too yeah i remember following up with that i was like wait this thing got taken down so that's actually interesting and then then konami (laughs) put put out a press release that said we were not responsible not press release but they made it clear that they were not responsible for taking it down right and so like this is a little different than some douchebag clickbait blogger saying oh i heard from a guy who heard from a guy that they're remaking metal gear like that's not what this is this is the composer being quite specific in what he's teasing so you know who knows what it'll end up being but i would say for once it does seem like there might be something there so weird hearing you have hope I know it's it's I try not to. <laughs> it hurts too much. It's, every day is one step closer to a fatal aneurysm for me with these stupid rumors. I can't take it anymore. Aw. Cautiously optimistic. 
expect what is it what's the what's the phrase uh expect nothing but hope for the best prepare for the worst hope for the best prepare for the worst yeah that's kind of how uh like i don't know if you guys saw that trailer for the mortal kombat movie this week but like i don't know there's like parts of that where i'm like okay it looks like y'all kind of know what you're doing here and th- there's other parts where it looks like shit but <laughs> it, like there's a lot of like like the fighting and the fatalities and shit i was like hell yes like that was like the the sub-zero and scorpion exchange i was like okay that was that was pretty fucking sweet and like, just give us a whole movie of that and you're good i like seeing sub-zero break Jax's arms off that was pretty yeah sweet. that was intense yeah it was definitely a red band trailer <laughs> Yeah, but they need to not say the lines from the game for the love of God. It sounds so awkward. Yeah, or at least try to match the energy that they do in the games because, yeah, it just it comes across a little weird. But I, I can forgive that. And like a, when I'm watching a like a uh, you know martial arts movie, I'm yeah. not caring about the dialogue so much. I'm there for the fight choreography, you know. So I'm gonna watch it on that. And it looks like they're doing a good job with it. And in some scenarios, I won't lie, like, I kind of prefer the schlocky dialogue. Oh, yeah. um, For that genre. Uh, For sure. I mean, the biggest criticism I have seen is, uh, like, there's no Johnny Cage, but there's this new guy that's like, fuck, I forget his name. It's like Tanner Cole or some shit like that. Yeah, Cole. Yeah. So I'm like... I'm expecting everybody keeps criticizing that, but I'm I'm like putting down a Lincoln five dollar bill and saying that like at the end of the movie, they're gonna be like, We need to tell your story, man, about how you beat Goro, but we can't use that Cole name. It sucks. You need a new name. And then they'll be like, How about Cage? And <laughs> like, you know, the music goes dun 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 We're gonna mark that right now, yeah. <laughs> that's that's the end of that movie. There is a 100% chance that they are going to do that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I have a I have a similar prediction about something that was just announced and this isn't really game related, but did you see that Tim Burton is directing a Netflix series about Wednesday Adams? Mm-mm. Uh-uh. Yeah, uh yeah, they're making a series about about Wednesday, I guess, growing up and uh I'm I'm telling you there is no way in hell, they are not going to cast Helena Bonham Carter, uh, or they're not going to cast okay. her as Morticia okay. Adams. Oh, most definitely. That's going to happen. Yeah, for Morticia, I can see that, yeah. I'm just, I'm waiting for it. If it doesn't happen, I will be shocked. Everybody needs to have, I know, like, you know, this is kind of ironic, coming from Metal Gear podcast, but, like, between that and Cruella de Vil, it's like everybody <laughs> needs to have their their backstory revealed Everybody, everybody oh has a God, past. <laughs> and like Chun Li's not in Mortal Co- in the Mortal Kombat movie, so I don't know. I'm kind of pissed off about that too. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah, they did. Uh, <laughs> they did a good job with that. I think that's going to be the next. Uh, what was that? Um, I wish that, like Zelda was a girl or whatever. <laughs> too much water. Yeah, people will throw that one around. For a while. <laughs> Hey, it's fine if we talk about movies and things that aren't uh, necessarily Kojima <laughs> I mean, game related because that's what he does. It's it's, Talks about it's movies not constantly. that we're talking about movies. It's the fact that I was criticizing Hollywood's need to like do a backstory for everybody when we got like how many games of that. All right, so here's an idea. What would you say would be like the either the funniest or most unnecessary backstory? Uh, 
Netflix series concept you can come have up to, with. Like, what's the scope here? Does it have to be a... Uh... It can, anything. Anything. Oh, anything shit. in fiction. Uh... Popular, obscure, just doesn't matter. The true matter. story of the guy that peed on Ryden's head. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh... <laughs> Like they've got a, a freaking I know this is this is kinda old, but they made a, a a an action series out of Alfred Pennyworth. What? Like, yeah, that's like Nobody wants to see that. That's like a that's like a yeah. like a what's the word I'm looking for? Like an anime beach episode. That's not like that's not something you make an entire series of. Yeah. Or like uh the new uh, Clarice series, which is not going to have anything to do with Hannibal. And I don't mean the series Hannibal, I mean the character, because they're legally not allowed to do so. They don't have the rights. So it's just going to be, like, in spirit of, like... Yeah, it's in, just... In that, like, like, you're just going to have to kind of, like, get it to get the parallels? Right, it's just going to be Clarice as an FBI agent investigating murders or whatever. And, like, the... <clears throat> like, I don't give a shit, because you assholes canceled Hannibal. <laughs> That's what kind of like people are doing with like certain video games too, or like the the IPs are being held up, and you know they're just saying, okay, uh, you know, you you've got Castlevania, fine, we'll make Bloodstained, you know, or like fine, you guys have Contra, uh, we'll make, fuck, I forgot the name of that. <laughs> <laughs> but that's different uh, though, because that's not the same series, you know, that's not like them taking. You know, like, oh, we're going to make a series out of Simon Belmont's Butler or some shit. Like, that's not what they're doing. That's that's the creators of these series in many cases going, well, I know what I'm good at, but I don't have the keys to my franchise anymore, so I'm going to skirt the rules. Blazing Chrome. Yeah, which looks amazing. <laughs> How's that game? Yeah, no, Blazing Chrome was a good time. And, like, the the one game coming out by the uh, the old development uh, team members who made Sukoden. Yeah. Who's I cannot uh, for the life of me remember the name of that game. Yeah, Euden Chronicles or something, something. like that. Yeah, yeah, but it looks phenomenal. Yeah. And it had like a crazy successful Kickstarter, I guess. Yeah. Oh yeah, that that uh that got filled up like immediately. <laughs> yeah, I think we we kind of do need to go back a step with like some of these the, like classic gameplay styles and stuff like I don't know. We we grew up in a good era, I think, where we kind of got spoiled for sure, but you know, like they, they uh, like during the direct, even they showed that like triangle strategy where it's, you know, it's like, all right, we're getting some tactics here, and they're kind of mixing it in with like Octopath Traveler. God, I hope they keep that name. Pro Project Triangle. Yeah, triangle strategy, strategy is. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Definitely a working title. Yeah, <laughs> just roll with it. God, I feel like an, like I appreciated. Now that you guys are talking about something that was on direct, like, okay, I appreciate what Sakurai did as far as, like, the meta elements of that Smash reveal. But I have no clue. I have no idea who any of these people are. Like, like the, the, the two new characters, I don't even remember what their names were. Yeah. Like, the whole, like, oh, is this, like, Xenoblade DLC? And then it was, like, actual Smash reveal. Like, that was pretty cool. Um, They, they took a lot of effort in that. But as far as, like... The actual, like, characters? Yeah, I have no idea who the fuck those people I just think it's funny that, like, everybody was like, man, I hope we don't get another anime character with a sword, and instead of one, it's one inside of one. It's like two of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. 
That man Yo, dog. does not I heard he likes sores. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He does not care what anybody thinks. He is going to do what he wants. Good for him. Well, well, with the exception of Minecraft, Steve. I feel like I feel like he he Sakurai strikes me as the type of person, and I don't know this guy personally, so I'm not gonna say I know him. He strikes me as the type of guy who when he when he's even even when he does something he doesn't want to do, he appreciates the challenge. Um Yeah, I mean they basically had to recode every single level to make that work, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. Yeah, they did. Um That's nuts. And those people generally get really tired in life. Uh so I hope he gets a nap soon. But <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty excited for uh pretty excited for Splatoon three. Yeah. I know nothing about Splatoon. I played a demo once, so I am completely in the dark. But it looks like an open world kind of thing. I don't know. It was kind of hard to tell what was going on in that. Um. Well, generally, like the city aspect or the city is like a hub for the player to access different like game modes and stuff like that. So I'd imagine that was um, that was kind of an aspect or that was what they were showing off there with that city. Um, as far as like her going on the train and stuff like that, like, uh, believe it or not, um, Splatoon is pretty rich in lore. <laughs> and serious. I, oh, wow. I, I, unfortunately <laughs> I did not play or beat. I, I did not beat the single player of Splatoon two. Not yet. At, at least. Um, I like, I was, I'm one of those people who go like directly into multiplayer. Um, anyways, they, uh, there was, there was like a fuck ton of lore in that, right? Um, and then, so there are these events, I don't know if you, if you know about this at least, but they had these events on weekends called Splatfest, and essentially what happens is you pick a side, um, most of the time it's simple things like, um, gosh, what was one? Um, there was one that was like ketchup versus mayo. Um, where you picked a side, ketchup versus mayo. Um, definitely ketchup. (laughs) And then for the whole week, you, you fought on behalf of ketchup. Um, that was an interesting week in, in that, um, another element of the, the Splatfest is that the color corresponds with what side you're on. So for ketchup and mayo, it was, um, it was red and white, like red goo and white goo. So that went over pretty well. Um. But they had like cross. Why didn't they do mustard? I don't know. <laughs> um, Just sorry, I'm asking the I'm asking the serious questions here. Okay. No, 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 no. That's that's actually a good question. I'm sure Nintendo is going to think about that next time they do a similar Splatfest. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. And they they did some other pretty cool concepts too. Like um, they did one week. They did with like they they collaborated with. Um, transformers and did like decepticons versus um fuck what were the other guys everybody's we're all forgetting autobots okay yeah the one week they did autobots versus decepticons um i think like one week they did some spongebob type shit but the last splatfest they had for splatoon 2 was i think it was like order versus chaos um and Chaos. That's a bit dark. Yeah, it was a bit dark, but it, it was the last one too. So it was like, what? What the fuck is this supposed to mean? Um, 
Well, some fans have theorized that it meant that, you know, this this was ominous and that it would probably be something that was like a canary in the coal mine or precursor for what the next game is going to be about. And then in the preview for the next game, they talked, um, they talked about like the world falling into chaos. Oh, geez. Um, and then there was a picture, like two of the main protect or main characters of the series, Callie and Marie. Um, there's a picture of them in Paris that was posted by Nintendo on tw- the Nintendo Twitter, like back in 2016, I want to say. And then in the trailer, you see that like the Eiffel Tower in Paris has been like flipped upside down. Uh, oh, yeah. So it's like, yeah, this is a kid's game, but the lore is pretty fucked up. Um, but I definitely recommend you give it a shot. If even if like you don't get into that single player shit, like the multiplayer is a blast. Um, and gosh, what else is there to say about it? Uh, that actually kind of turned the tide for me for that Nintendo Direct. Although it's kind of fucked up how they said the Direct was about game the first half of 2021. And I saw that and I was like, holy shit, are we getting Splatoon like really soon? Uh, no, it, it, they were like, oh, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it fucked me up real good. Anyways. Then, then the Zelda guy came out. Oh and he was yeah! Like, hey, uh, sorry, yeah. I gotta wait. Yeah, yeah you know, like... I got words about that Zelda thing, man. Like, I get that they are delaying this, or not delaying, but it's taking a lot of time. That's that's not the problem. Uh, they can take as long as they want to make a good game. I'm patient, but when you charge sixty dollars for a game that has barely had a facelift. Yeah. yeah. And another 70 With for the controller. Another 70 for the controllers. When the last time this game came out, it was what? $60 for the game and a Wii Remote Wii, uh, Wii Motion Plus, Plus or whatever it was called. Yeah. Yeah, for the gold version. Like what are you guys doing? There, I remember when Nintendo was a company that would just bundle a disc with the system that had four full Zelda games on it for free, right? Yeah. And and now they have become so stingy with their own franchises. And, like, this isn't even getting into the fact that Skyward Sword is, by and large, my least favorite Zelda game. And I think, it, for me, it was mainly the motion controls like part of it. That's what made it like annoying for me. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> hey, let's make a Zelda game with clumsy motion controls and nonstop tutorials where the whole thing feels like an endless linear dungeon and making equipment is a chore and the story and characters are just cringy nonstop and to top it off, everything's going to be coated in like these obnoxious pastel colors. Like, oh! Bro, tell us how you really feel. But that's actually kind of why I'm interested in it is because like, like, I don't know if you guys, how familiar you guys are with, with Wind Waker and, and, you know, the little shit that was changed. And I think it was like the Triforce stuff and, and how they kind of um, expedited some of the more tedious aspects of the game. I'm curious to see one, if they do that with this one and two, um, you know, to what extent they give it that treatment. Because like you said, like, the game, you know, even though it is, this is sort of a trope for quote-unquote modern Nintendo, um, 
you know, I'd imagine that the developers are aware that they are, um, I'd imagine they're aware that people, you know, they thought of it as a giant tutorial and they, um, they'll respond accordingly. That would probably fix a lot of it for me. Yeah, I mean, if you see what they did with, like, the Mario series, though, with that little three-pack, it's like, they didn't really do shit with that. Yeah, that was they? the most dialed-in oh, yeah, no, collection was... I've ever seen. Yeah, so, I mean... I... And I was expecting, like, if they were going to do something for Zelda, they would have a bundle similar to that, you know, where maybe it's Ocarina of Time Remastered plus Wind Waker HD plus Twilight Princess or Skyward Sword. Like, some some sort of collection, but, like, no, we're, it's just, you know, full price for an old game and double price if you want the controller. Like, I'm not I'm not doing that. Yeah. And then you have them doing like the other games like uh, they're doing the remake of or the, you know, like the remaster, I guess, of uh, Legend of Mana. And they, they did like they were taking out a couple of things or adding a couple features where it was like, uh, you know, you can remove encounters. And I don't know for, for an RPG that, you know, that can be uh, helpful. You know, if you're uh, if you're just getting like annoying. Yeah, Legend of Mana is an interesting one. That's a, a really gorgeous game, and I love the soundtrack. Um, but it isn't the most accessible JRPG. It's 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 a weird one, but but kind of in a good way. Yeah, that was one I never got around to playing, but I might check it out. So we've been talking about Nintendo for a while. Um, to get a little bit back towards <laughs> Metal Gear news. Uh, what do you guys think of the fact that the board game was canceled? I know a lot of people are sad that, uh, <laughs> you know, they're just not getting it now. They they uh, they put, you know, money down on it, and we're looking forward to it. But uh, I guess with just the pandemic, they maybe didn't think people were getting together playing board games. I don't know. Yeah, um, possibly. Um, the uh, the game's director was. Uh, on a forum to talking to people. And I mean, IDW games made a, made a statement later where, uh, they did acknowledge that, that, uh, COVID-19 did sort of complicate matters and they weren't too specific on how, you know, you could, you could read it as this changed our work environment and it made it harder for us to release. And we didn't hit our deadline, which is what the director was implying, or you could see it as well. We're just not making as much money uh with with tabletop games but then you would you know that doesn't quite make sense because you would think if your business is tabletop games you would want to put out something with that big of a name attached to it um yeah. i don't know i mean we, we it's uh it's kind of hard to say but um and two there's like fame you know there's families at home that, that could play this together yeah you know, it's not necessarily like where you have to go out and get a bunch of people i don't know it's a shame that it got canceled. I mean, I was looking forward to it. I was I was going to pick it up. Yeah, I was too. Um, I'm curious, though, if, you know, I, I would assume that IDW is going to refund people. But, well, if anyone's listening who pre-ordered it, um, you know, let us know if you got a, a refund or not for this after it was canceled. I'd be curious to hear how that went. But Yeah, um, I think I have a few people in my Discord I could ask, too. Yeah. Um, the uh, The games director did comment, though, that they're looking at other ways to get it released. Konami, it seems, does does not want to do anything Kickstarter related. Like that's a hard no. Yeah, I guess that's just kind of a weird look, you know. And like they don't want to be like, hey, we don't want to be out here like begging for money and then not get enough. You know, yeah. that's, that's like an embarrassing thing if it doesn't pull through. So I can see that. Like that would happen though. Exactly. <laughs> also, like logistically, it's if something does happen, I feel like it's hard to kind of rectify that. 
Um, like yeah. you said, you know, everybody has to get their refunds. Like, I'm sure there's a lot of like ac- accountable shit that they have to tally up or account for. So I kind of don't yeah. blame them for being so touchy, touch and go on it. Yeah. The, uh, the director did say, though, that um, if they're not able to bring it back, because he does want to continue the project, that he's willing to uh, change everything, you know, like change the imagery and the branding and everything <laughs> and just keep the game mechanics and release it as something else. Ooh, what would it be called? Iron Cog. Gears of Metal, yeah. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> um But yeah, there's a that's that's kind of a kick in the nuts. I mean, let's uh Escape from New York, the board game. <laughs> this series can't get a break. Yeah, it really can't. You know, actually, they should do that. Oh my god, they should really do that. <laughs> Escape from New York. Yes. I mean, it's it's tabletop though, right? So like, you know, at the end of the day, if you really, really, really wanted, you know, some sort of tabletop game, um, like like themed around a specific IP or something like that, you know, you're more than within your rights to just pull out a, a game book and and write that campaign yourself. Yeah, that's Ooh, true. Yeah, like like how Cyberpunk, you know, had that had that whole book, yeah, just based around that. Oh originally. yeah. See, I was kind of hoping that someone would take the the board game and remake it in tabletop simulator so it could be played online. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a really nice surprise finding the um the tabletop books for Cyberpunk. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was like a a bonus or something for the the PC <laughs> versions. You could just download them for free. I was like, "Oh shit." Yeah, I just like one day I just stumbled upon the PDFs and it was like, "Oh my god, this is amazing." I almost bought these one time. Reading material, like that kid on the mummy. <laughs> Reading material. <laughs> Luckily, though, the community's been doing a bunch of cool shit lately. The Fox Kit people, I know uh, there's like Jen Marr uh, is working on the Shadow of Moses Island stuff in MGSV. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it looked like they imported assets from the Twin Snakes. I'm looking at it right. But the fact that they're getting to a point now where they can reliably import, you know, custom maps... Yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where that goes. Oh, yeah. That was, <laughs> it's funny because that was one of the things, this this was filmed, or this was recorded, like, two hours after BlizzCon opening or whatever. Um, that was one of the things that, like, really attracted me to the whole Overwatch 2 PvE stuff, was that there were going to be, like, custom story maps you can make. But to that point, you know, this excites me, like, a hundred times more, because I would, I would love to see what people people could do with this yeah because i mean you could basically build each little like each little loading section you know like when you exit to another stage like that could be its own map that loads up and you could do a a, a mini version of that map you know and then go to the next section they could essentially build the game piece by piece but that's not what they're doing i don't think but yeah he's very specific in the thread this is not a remake of the game (laughs) yeah yeah for sure but it, it's it's cool though to just think about the potential. Like you said, they they have this map system kind of figured out, and they can just structure it, you know, and just place guards. And looks like we're doing some Metal Gear Maker here. <laughs> a little bit. I'll tell you what I really want to see though. I don't know how plausible it is, but I wonder if this means we could see custom maps for MGO three. Hmm. Because that's the kind of thing that that game needs yeah. to bring yeah. it back to life a bit. Good call. Like, yeah. I have wanted more than anything for somebody to 
take any version of MGO and make like shell one a map. Like that would be the yeah, best capture the flag map ever. Playing on the heliport and shout out Moses. <laughs> yeah. That's good shit. I mean, it's kind of a big map, but if you have like a full map, of, this is my, you know, pie in the sky dream, never going to happen, but 16 players on shell one capture the flag or something similar. Uh, oh, hell yeah. Would be amazing. But even just having like standard, uh, you know, small maps like this with with the heliport would be fun. You know, just just set it so like you're in the, you know, add the snowfield because that was such a good map from MGO2. Um, hell, just put the MGO2 maps in. There you go. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like you've fixed most of the game right there. You just need more stuff to do. Redo them in Fox Engine. Another like sort of fan made thing that was kind of cool is um this guy Flash Medallion. He made these like he made these modular cubes in PSVR Dreams um that are pretty much the Metal Gear Solid VR cubes. Yeah. Um and folks can use that to kind of build out um shit on PSVR Dreams, which is it's basically like a creator in PSVR and. One of the two reasons that I'm jealous of PSVR, first one, of course, being Resident Evil 7, makes me wonder the potential of that sort of aesthetic. Like, I would love to have a Metal Gear VR game in actual VR. Oh, man. Yeah. Doing VR in VR. God. I don't even give a shit about the actual gameplay. I just want to see the visuals. Well, like, what's the meta commentary <laughs> on that, everybody? <laughs> give me give me an hour. Res, uh, <laughs> Res looks good in VR. The VR tutorial shit on zone of the enders vr looks good in vr so yeah give us zone of the enders vr is fantastic oh, like yeah. i thought that game was gonna make me nauseous but they actually did a really good job integrating the vr do you remember that game uh iq intelligent cube on playstation one yeah oh man that was one of the first games i played on ps1 that's kind of the vibes this has given me too yeah yeah, Man, I'll tell you, like a, we keep talking about a Metal Gear maker, and if Konami doesn't do it, the fans sure as hell are. That's what I'm saying. It looks like we're just pretty much uh, slowly putting together little little small systems that if we all combine together into one, it'd just be fucking full Metal Gear game. But shout out to everybody doing that stuff, man. It's, it's awesome to see. Yeah. You love to see it. You keep this community alive, and you keep us with a job, so. <laughs> Give us shit to talk about. Each yeah, week. <laughs> seriously, you make our lives easier. Yeah, and also, thanks to everybody that's been listening lately. We really uh, we really appreciate it. You, everybody's been, you know, pretty much everybody's been great, you know, and the, the feedback on the show has been awesome. So we, we do want to take a moment to just thank everybody that's been listening. Yeah, with the pandemic and everything going on, uh, being able to do this every week has been very encouraging. It's uh, it's nice to have something regular and and get to talk about these things that we love so much. And uh, yeah, the support is really, really appreciated. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. And we hope that we're making your lives a little easier and a little feel a little more normal um, as you guys do for us. So. Yeah. Stay tuned. We do have some uh, big guests lined up. Uh got some surprises uh some stuff in the works but uh yeah if you want to help us out make sure to you know like and subscribe if you're watching on youtube uh you know give us a review on itunes you know make sure to like follow on spotify do all the stuff that helps our numbers grow so we can grow the channel bigger and reach more people that all helps us out tell your friends yeah. i never thought i'd be one of those people to say like and subscribe like 
It's what you gotta do. I just never thought I'd be in a position where I needed to say that. Yeah. The algorithm is working against us. Everything, every little point and every little tick and check mark we can put beside stuff, it helps us be bigger and better. So that's just how the system works. The system is mine. Yeah. It's up to us if you want to stick it to Google. Yeah. <laughs> All right, y'all. Thanks for listening. 